Welcome to the Guernsey Daily, I'm Ollie Giu. And I'm Rob Byrne. We're building up to Guernsey's election with candidate interviews every weekday and a taste of what's going on out on the election trail. We aim to be as talked about as Guernsey's dog poo problem. Hopefully we're not a shit though. Yeah, quite. <laughs> uh, we want to be as exciting as a cow breaking into your house. Do you remember that? That was that was great. What a story. That, that was epic. <laughs> and uh, as smooth as a slice of Guernsey butter. Oh, did you see on Guernsey People Have Your Say, someone managed to get a block of 79p Guernsey butter in the UK. Unbelievable. Yeah, that is outrageous. When and I can I can tell you outrageous. it's normally more expensive because I'm a regular in Waitrose, which is the only place I can get it. Um, but yeah, what's going on? What is going on indeed? Well, I'll tell you what's going on in the programme. Coming up, we'll hear from Matt Pyle, whose website 38 Deputies has finally got the green light to launch after months of tireless work and development. There's so much information and so many candidates to consider this election. Anything that can help index that information in a way that's easier to digest seems to be a good idea to me. Also, we'll hear from Andrea Dudley-Owen, current Vice President of the Committee for Economic Development, who's seeking re-election. I think education's got to be prioritised, absolutely, and and if that means a little bit more money going in, so be it. If we don't have uh, teachers attracted to the island, then we can't retain people because they've got no faith and confidence in the island to educate their children. Um, the, The island will wither if we don't get the education system right in the next four years. More from Andrea shortly. But first, Rob, we're going to hear from the IOD on Monday, but because I like twisting the knife, I I like kicking you when you're down, I wanted to play you this clip from the interview. Homeworking has become a key feature now of everyone's lives and there is a need to make sure that we have digital infrastructure that can support that on an ongoing basis. Now, I, I, I don't, I didn't think you'd you'd be such a staunch supporter of this priority from the IOD. But that is until you arrived in Guernsey uh, for your seven-day quarantine and <laughs> working from home on Guernsey Wi-Fi. How's that been, Rob? You've touched a raw nerve there. I let me set the scene for you right now, Ollie. I'm not working from home right now. I am sat in Market Square. It's a lovely afternoon, but I'm leeching off the Guernsey Library Wi-Fi here because my Wi-Fi at home is so bad. I'm sat outside on a bench with a towel over my head to create something of a <laughs> studio and muffle the out- <laughs> outdoor sound. And it's all because the internet where I live at the moment um, is terrible. And I've been relying on tethering my phone on 4G on my UK phone contract to get a better signal. Unfortunately, I can only use so much data on that. That's now run out. And now I'm having to hop around the island to try out different Wi-Fi to to actually work. And, And we're doing the podcast, but I'm also working remotely from my other job as well. It's it's an absolute nightmare. But sorry, to clarify, you have a towel on your head right now (laughs) right now well it's kind of covering me going over the laptop and i've got a bag on my right hand side so i've kind of created like a mini (laughs) studio um which is hopefully muffling some of the background sound but there is a bit of a breeze and i'm worried the towel might blow off my head but at the moment it's okay i like the idea of um loads of people thinking you're nuts staring at you but you'll never know because you've got a towel over your head no exactly (laughs) and i mean i've probably i don't know who knows what's going on under the towel? People will probably think I'm masturbating or something. I'll probably get a police officer tap me on the shoulder in a moment. 
Yeah, if you could avoid doing that during the podcast <laughs> recording, at least that that would be great. <laughs> I'll so make, um, I make no staunch, promises. Uh, staunch supporter. Uh, well, of of, of improving uh, Guernsey's connectivity. I mean, I guess it's not really controversial. I guess everyone wants uh, better internet connections, don't they? And um, you know, actually, on a serious point, a lot a lot of my friends that that live off island and could work remotely did come back uh, or have come back at different stages during uh, you know the pandemic and they've said it's been terrible you know <laughs> and actually I, I, I think I, th- I think it, it, it really has and you know these are people sort of peppered around the island in different locations you know if this can be improved at the moment it and, and with people not feeling the need to you know be in London say to work and, and can work from Guernsey which let's be honest is much nicer um why they would do that if they were sure that the technology worked and um you know i I think this should be a real moment where this um crystallizes a priority in people's minds it's i mean it certainly has uh, for me and i'm sure i'm i I know i'm not alone in um in sort of experiencing this so well rob just to twist the knife a little bit more i'm in london at the moment the internet's cracking so yeah (laughs) But I, <laughs> but but I would come London. back if the internet was reliable. I always thought it was just my mum's house, but clearly it's not just my mum's house. It's everyone's mum's house, which has rubbish Wi-Fi. Up next, it's Deputy Andrea Dudley-Owen. After a stint in finance, she ran local businesses with a focus on helping women. Now she's seeking re-election after four years in the States. So we've come to Market Square. Uh, I'm here with Andrea Dudley-Owen. We just... Uh, sitting outside having a coffee we've got the digital greenhouse just over your left shoulder and uh, we've got the Guernsey registry as well you must sort of be quite familiar with this area I am and it's great to be here doing an interview actually Um, this is our stomping ground for the committee for economic development and we actually moved down here from Raymond Fuller house a couple of years ago uh, a to make better use of uh, the the rental resources that we've got so that all the committee for economic development staff were in one place and b so that we could be in the center of town the center of commerce the the hub the beating heart of guernsey Um, people can see us we are accessible as politicians we come out for lunch and uh, you know have a chat to people while sitting outside of a cafe and come and have coffee and, and find out exactly what's going on and uh, hear about the problems that retailers and islanders are facing in their daily lives or what's going well sometimes you know surprisingly we do get a lot of people congratulating us for uh, our efforts and and for sticking up for what we believe in yeah and um that's been part of your uh, mandate in government i guess uh, for those that don't know anything about you tell us a bit about you and why you decided to get back into uh, get into politics four years ago yeah well um i've been brought up in guernsey i've got a long uh, lineage here and uh, though i have lived abroad for quite some time and so I've got a really broad perspective of life and and good experience um, having lived uh, overseas in Japan and the UK etc and I really felt when I returned when I was 23 years old that I I wanted to do something more than just work in finance and um, even though that was a brilliant job that I had there for nearly 10 years and I set up my own businesses two small uh, family focused businesses actually really focusing on women 
to be honest. Um, trying to get women back into the workplace with, with one business called Flexible Working Solutions, uh, which one of my ad uh, advisors one day said, well, it should be female with skills, but we couldn't run that past the ad regulations. <laughs> um, and we were trying at that time to get uh, women who uh, were professionally qualified back into the finance industry after they'd had children, because it's it's been a really big issue trying to find appropriate skills on the island to fill the job vacancies because we've got full employment. So my um, point was always there are people at home looking after children who on a flexible or remote basis could be available for work. We need to get those people back into the, the job market and uh, now with the advent of technology, I may have been before my time 15 years ago but certainly it's arrived now. Do you think that's happening increasingly since the pandemic? It is and I'm so pleased to see it. Actually uh, uh, one of the candidates who's standing kindly referred to me as a bit of a visionary and uh, uh, before my time with that particular endeavour 15 years ago um, but I've, I've worked from home for many many years and um, around my, my kids and my family needs needs and I've, I've been successful. My, my, the two businesses that I set up, Flexible Working Solutions and Island Mums, are still going concerns. So it shows that they were good ideas and the fact that they're based from um, home working and have been for a long time shows that the tech is there if you want to use it. Um, you just need the skills and this is really where I'm at in, in government is the entrepreneurial endeavour. Um, the skills that you need in order to adapt and, and to work your business for the modern day. Yeah, sorry, it's, it's, uh, the, the pace is picking up around us. There seems to be a lot going on. Uh, so apologies if, it's, uh, if there's a bit of banging going on as people unload and there's some building work going on as well just to our right. Um, Island Mums, uh, uh, we actually spoke to another candidate, Sasha, uh, who's been involved in the business subsequently since you. For those that yeah. don't know, um, what was the ethos there and, and the thinking behind uh, behind that business? Right, well, uh, having set up Flexible Working Solutions as, a, as a, almost a recruitment agency for professional women going back part-time, I needed uh, an advertising platform, a digital advertising platform, to, to target the market that I was looking for. So I racked my brains and uh, some other mums of, of little babies and I came up with the idea of setting up a, a mums net or a net mums type of uh, community business for Guernsey because Guernsey didn't have anything like that. To make the money that we needed, we needed to enter into an affiliate marketing um, type of arrangement and, and it was that type of model. And it was a first for Guernsey, first for Jersey and our long-term vision was to franchise it out which is hence why we renamed it Island Mums so that you could sell it to other islands around the world. Okay so what what was the advantage for mums that, that uh, were on the website? What we did was community engagement we gave a, a, got professionals to give advice about uh, child uh, rearing and parenting um, we actually did uh, physical events which were car boot sales and, and the like so mums could network and parents could network we also um, uh, founded a charity I was the founding member of a charity uh, called um, postnatal depression support group because we realized that there was a mental health issue as well um, so I did that concurrently so I was quite busy actually at one stage with two companies and um, a mental health charity as well as helping my husband with, uh, with the books on, on his business um, so the the upshot was that Island Mums became a community-centered business. It wasn't there to make us oodles of money, and it didn't. Um, and it was very much embedded in Guernsey for Guernsey people. Um, it was, I, I suppose, quite inward-looking, but um, 
It satisfied a need and it was a, a go-to place for people who wanted to come to the island as well, who were moving to the island, to see what services were available for parents um, with young children. So, yeah. What did you learn from that experience that you've been able to bring into politics, do you think? Um, collaborative working, uh, because I was working as part of a partnership on that particular um, company, the other company I ran on my own. Um, digital skills are absolutely key in being able to uh, adapt and to uh, change your business model. Uh, sustainable business practices, trying to do the uh, low um, footprint, high value uh, type of ethos where you're not using premises, you work from home, uh, trying to be as uh, resourceful as possible with any free applications going. I'm, I'm always a free application person, open source all the way. And also being alive to issues um, that don't just affect me being open-minded, uh, being able to engage with people from all different backgrounds, educational um, backgrounds and countries, and, and just to, to really realise it's not just about me, it, it's about everybody else. And, and that's why often when I'm talking in the States about things that directly affect my family, I don't often refer to that. I may draw my experience from that and knowledge from it, but for example, education. It's not about just my kids. Actually, more importantly, it's about everyone else's kids. I'll look after my own kids as best I can and my family, well, you know, my husband and I. But it's other people who, who may not have the opportunity to, to do that, that I've got that in my mind all the time. I've got a, a really keen sense of civic duty and responsibility to my community. On the education debate, do you think this current states have been guilty of being too reliant on individuals perspectives and their experiences going through education currying how this debate has has played out and you know and let's be honest it has played out for a very very long time it has 20 years in all um, and I think that you've just absolutely nailed it um, listening to individuals perspectives my educational background has no real bearing on what we want for the future of our island um, and I, I may be able to contribute something um, but when we are, are talking about what future model of education, what educational delivery, what pedagogical um, practice will bring out the best in our children. Big word. It is. <laughs> what does it mean? Well, pedagogy is the, is the practice of teaching. So what updates in, in teaching are going to be relevant to um, how we teach our children now? The understanding um, of how uh, things change, how the, the child's brain is far more elastic than we ever thought it was, and how we can um, uh, you, you know, use that science um, around psychology to influence how we teach children. That is not my speciality, but I know plenty of people whose speciality is, and it's actually the teachers. But it's not just about that, it's about pastoral care, it's about um, uh, helping treat children through crisis, helping them grow up, helping them be the best people that they can be, not the best people that we want them to be. And Because I think the latter puts a lot of pressure on, on kids. The question I think we need to be asking, rather than my personal perspective on my own educational, um, based on my own educational history, is what we need from our children because we don't put them into uh, school in order that parents can go and work. Um, we put them into school so that they can be valuable contributors to our community uh, and a big part of that is about being valuable contributors to our workforce and how that plays out and how Guernsey thrives in the future. On, it's obviously a big election issue what happens to the future of secondary education in Guernsey. 
inevitably you're going to be asked by voters what your position is. Um, mm. Do you worry that you're seen as someone who's held up the island moving forward? And does that ever come up? I absolutely don't think that I've held up moving forward because the one school on two sites model, the way in which it was developed and the plan for implementation was inevitably going to, I hate to use the phrase, but it was going to crash. Um, and that was going to be far more costly and far more dramatic in its negative consequences than what I did, which was to halt it literally at one minute to midnight before tenders were signed uh, or preferred tenders were chosen um, and before we went ahead with something that was really so desperately wrong for the island. So I don't see me as having chucked a, a, a brick into the, the, the pond um, and halted something that could have been a success. It was inevitably going to fail. So. I just desperately wish that um, we had been able to agree on this at the beginning of term and had there been a view that an alternative model needed to be worked up, looking in hindsight, that's when it should have come, right at the beginning of term, when the selection issue was brought back, tested in the new states, it was um, by, by a slim majority, it was passed that we should um, uh, remove selection from the education system. Is that, is that debate dead? Oh, I think so, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I certainly accept that and, and have moved away from that, definitely. Um, and at that point, an amendment should have been brought to, to instruct the committee to bring back a couple more alternatives so that the states didn't chuck something out and have nothing to depend on. So um, I think that things have been done badly, but we are now at this point. The review is being undertaken and I, I, the principles on which the review has been taken, I agree with and it's a real shame that it's taken us four years to come back to those principles um, i.e. education outcomes being the most important uh, best use of estate value for money and uh, I, I think that the review could be seen to be too narrow in scope and I think it's going to have to come back very quickly to the, the new states to ensure that the new intake are satisfied with the models that are being worked up because you do not want to get to a stage where we've been before. And is this uh, incomplete desire to, to sort out education, how big a driver is that for you seeking re-election? Um, it is a driver. Um, I think that if we don't get the education system right, our economy will fail and therefore our island will not be thriving in the, the medium to long term at all. So. Education needs absolute sorting out. For me, the priority is education, economy and environment. Those three things. Controversial. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it's all pretty homogenous, I think. A lot of uh, candidates are standing for the same things. And why wouldn't they? The, the controversial bits comes in what priority you place those, how you're going to fund them and what you're going to leave behind. That's where a lot of candidates are going to find the difficulties if they're successful in getting in. Which bit do we prioritise? Tell me. <laughs> I think education's got to be prioritised, absolutely, and, and if that means a little bit more money going in, so be it. If we don't have uh, teachers attracted to the island, then we can't retain people because they've got no faith and confidence in the island to educate their children. Um, the, the island will wither if we don't get the education system right in the next four years. What does a vote for Andrea Dudley Owen also get people aside from education? 
it certainly gets someone who's committed to consultation and listening and really good levels of communication. Um, I, I've always felt that I'm engaged with people and I'm a good listener, able to take on board other people's points of view. Um, I've been energetic and pretty passionate about things. When I, where I see something that I really think needs to be championed or changed, I really will go for it. Um, and also I've got pretty good skills and I'm a professional individual in terms of being able, I think, to present myself professionally without letting my um, emotions get in the way of, of you know, uh, evidence and, and facts. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like to think I'm pretty approachable. And when you look back on the last four years, if I said to you, what are your top achievements? What have you done? What have you done personally in those four years? What, what would you say? Well, I've done actually quite a lot. I've been very, very busy. Having sat on two committees, um, I've had a lot of subcommittees that I've, I've had the privilege of, of serving on and actually leading. So I've led uh, Digital Guernsey um, and uh, the Digital Strategy and that's been something that's been pretty prominent in Guernsey because it's set up at the Digital Greenhouse and it, it wasn't uh, particularly uh, easy to, to take on because it was very nascent, it was very, very embryonic and it wasn't, it didn't have a clear pathway of, of purpose at the time. So I, I didn't really have a, a big team around me so I had to do quite a lot of work myself. Uh, we've now got a brilliant team and we've come great guns and the digital greenhouse um, uh, under the, the team there is, is really doing a lot of How do you measure the success of something like the digital greenhouse? Though? Well, uh, we've got uh, key performance indicators and and outcomes that we're measuring and it's really about the impact that it has um, in Guernsey. So the the uptake on uh, digital skills um, at provision, so so where people are going on courses, that, that's a good indicator of how many people are engaged. But it's and actually that's what it, yes it is, but it's what they do with that information afterwards. Um, entrepreneurship is tightly linked to that, the amount of people coming through the digital uh, greenhouse. We're, that's the new entrepreneurship project um, started in January this year in partnership with Blenheim Chalcott, who is an arm of Agilisys, um, and also Barclays Eagle Lab, um, and also various industry partners, in order to support new business and, and uh, startups. The barometer of success on that is how many businesses continue um, and then what they add to the economy. But so far, the stats are really, really promising. I can't reel them off, off the top of my head, but I've led for Skills Guernsey as well, and we've delivered an update on our action plan, which I will give an update on my, um, my Facebook page about that. Um, but again, that's been promising. 4,000 learners in the Guernsey Institute, um, all going for uh, different types of technical, vocational learning, and, and they're a really key partner of ours in Skills Guernsey. But more work needs to be done in that in the future. So I've, I've delivered on those two. Co-chair of Finance Sector Forum, um, I help uh, looking at horizon scanning threats and opportunities uh, for Guernsey's finance sector and uh, getting industry input. That, I mean, industry engagement is absolutely key in what we do. Yeah, and, and what are those threats, say, do you see on the horizon? Uh, well, um, before COVID, it was a lot about EU and Brexit um, and the different regulations and rules being imposed upon Guernsey, which ad add to administration and regulation requirement and ultimately our, our cost of doing business over here. But on the other side of that, you can... Um, advertise a very high quality service that comes from Guernsey. And presumably you need to comply to access 
the European I, I, entirely and absolutely because you don't want to be blacklisted ever the reputation is absolutely key in making sure that our, our staff and, and our businesses are, are working to, to the regulatory requirement again digitization is something that is, is has been lacking but I think COVID has brought that to the fore our businesses in finance need to keep up with digitization of process uh, so they can they can get the best efficiency and profitability out of their business but also keep up with the competitive edge tax is always a big one uh, for our businesses and and what we're going to do in the future with our fiscal review what comes out of that we need to have that fine balance of keeping that competitive edge but having a fair tax regime for our um, our islanders um, which also allows us to fund some of our services yeah I mean that's actually something that's come up quite a lot uh, amongst candidates talking about this review and, and, and that's along with I guess the first budget is going to be a big sort of marker of how yeah. the states goes forward and, and pays for uh, potentially the cost of the economic slump you're yes. expecting post-coronavirus. Um, do you have any ideas about how you can work your way towards balancing the books? Have you got any policies with regards to taxation or, or, or spending? I don't want to see a GST as an easy fix to balance the books because I actually Everyone think says that, that. Yeah, well, but it is undoubtedly regressive. It it does really hit hit those who can least afford it in our society. Is it really being thought about though? Because it seems to be raised as a bit of a bogeyman. That oh well, it is because I think that you you start the slippery slope of right. You stick in a, a low cost GST that that could be affordable for everybody, and then it's the easy lever to hike up whenever you've got um, a, a bit of a deficit. So I think we've got to be very careful about that. It's a bit of a unique selling point about Guernsey that we don't have it so I think it's an attraction I think we've got to start from the the, the basics of actually before we, we start going out to, to look at certain spend priorities what are we spending our money on now and where can we prioritize is there more that we can do with with saying actually the community is a trustworthy um, a lot we need to, to to ask the community to uh, to be more responsible for certain services that we we've centralized so um, we're looking at the long-term care fund that's unsustainable at the moment we've just had a debate about that about uh, using the the value of a property um, in order to to fund that into the future and that's a logical conclusion however I don't want to support that because I'm not sure that it's going to be sustainable again in the long run why aren't we looking at these more creatively and breaking open these um, policies and saying how else can we do it how can we involve the community more in looking after our elderly um, population where's the family responsibility of looking after their parents and their elderly folk so it's definitely time that we reimagine some of the policies that we've got in in uh, the states and start to look at where we've got areas that we know are unsustainable in the future where we know that suggestions logical suggestions like the uh, funding of the long-term care fund that have ju has just gone um, for debate in the states which are deeply unpopular um, have to be revisited of course the including the value of the property um, uh, in the deliberations about whether or not someone can afford care or not is a logical conclusion but it's not one that the people in Guernsey want so therefore do we have to recreate that uh, structure and, and that type of provision and I think that it's high time that we started to give um, put our trust back in the Guernsey community and to say actually we need to work much closer put responsibility back in the community for certain types of care and and also the provision of services from charities we've got a lot of cash to be honest with you washing around in a lot of charities and a lot of valuable specialist knowledge and experience in those charities 
and we should be working much closer with the third sector to help us provide certain services which we actually find very difficult and expensive to provide. It is much more about a, a, a third sector compact and a community compact of saying actually government can't do it all and shouldn't have to do it all. Okay. Deputy Andrea Devian, thanks for your time. Okay. Thank you very much. Finally, let's hear from Matt Pyle. He's been part of a team developing a website called 38deputies.gg. Um, it's designed to help voters more easily sift through the overwhelming number of candidate manifestos we're faced with this year, and it's going to be launching very soon. Matt Pyle, welcome to the show. Um, so, <laughs> this is it's a bit strange because we're quite good friends, and um, randomly, very randomly, we didn't even talk about the fact that we would both be doing projects geared towards helping voters during Guernsey's 2020 island-wide election, and yet here we are. Um, I'm not afraid to admit that uh, committing to a daily podcast, uh, Monday to Friday that is, we we do take weekends off, but a daily podcast has been challenging, to -hmm. say the least. It's been a lot more work than I expected, and you know, you're not just, you're not just doing a podcast when you're putting something like that, this out, you're also um, we're trying to help voters, just like you are. You're you're dealing with poli- well potential politicians uh, and and current politicians as well. There's a lot at stake, and I guess when you kicked this uh, website project off, had you considered just how much was at stake? No, that's something that um, I would definitely do differently if I could go back. Is sort of mentally prepare for that side of things. Um, we looked at it earlier in the year as a project that would be both beneficial to people, hopefully if we did it right, but also a fun project. You know, um, we have our personal reasons for doing it, but it's not, you know, we don't have motivations. It's just, it's nice to do a project as software developers. So it seemed like a good project to do. We sort of had our blinkers on a little bit as to what some of that might entail in terms of the the human aspect where you have to spend a lot of time talking to candidates and uh, current politicians and, you know, just trying to convince them that you're not a bad guy and you're trying to do the right thing. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's um, a few aspects that I hadn't really considered, and that's one of them for sure. Yeah, and um, by all accounts, uh, if, if it's been the same uh, for you as it has been for the Guernsey Daily, um, for the most part, it's been a hugely, hugely positive reaction. But there are still, there's a little bit of backlash, a little bit of pushback. Um, has it has it been a similar situation for you? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. We've had um, we've had really positive feedback from the public. Um, I've only just seen a couple of negative comments about it, which I can understand their concerns and. Uh, I'm hoping that I can put those to bed when we launch the site uh, so they'll be able to see how it functions for themselves. But in terms of candidates as well, um, there's a few more that maybe have their misgivings than the public, but the majority of candidates have been really supportive and think it's a really good idea because, and I'm sure you've sort of thought about the same thing when you thought about the podcast was there's so much information and so many candidates to consider this election. Anything that can help index that information in a way that's easier to digest seems to be a good idea to me. And I think we're both trying to do a similar thing with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, j- just trying to make sure that people aren't so overwhelmed with 
facts and, and figures that they, they turn off altogether, making it a little bit easier. And obviously that's what your website's doing. How is it doing that? Can you explain just how it works? So there's a couple of aspects to the site. Um, the first is basically just an index of all the candidates. So yeah, quite simple, no flavor to it, if you, if you will. Um, just um, shows the candidates, you can click on them, you can go to their website, you can read their manifestos. And you can see any data that we hold on them. So that would be um, like the questionnaires that they've been given, or if they haven't done their questionnaires, their manifesto data or anything like that. The second part and the part that everyone has jumped on and the part that we've spent the most time on is the voting helper, which is... Um, the Tinder, Tinder yeah. for candidates. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what everyone's been calling it. And, um... and are there sexy photos of them? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know... I can neither confirm or deny it, really. Um, <laughs> Some of them are it, sexy, but they don't need to be yet. I know. <laughs> you, you're just going to have to use the website and find out. Um, <laughs> I have to be careful if I mention any names because uh, we have to be seen as impartial. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. that That's interesting, isn't it? Because um, you did get asked on, on BBC Radio Guernsey, um, how do you avoid building bias into this? How do you avoid it being biased? But, yeah. Um, is that something that you had to give kind of genuine thought to as as you built this? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was the first thought as soon as we came up with the idea. So just a little backstory on that. The idea came about uh, during a break between me and uh, one of my workmates, Martin Smith, who I'm working on the project with. We we chatted about it and we thought about the, elec- the election and the quantity of data that is necessary to go through and how we would solve it. And the first thing that we mentioned was that we have to be impartial and unbiased because otherwise the tool is worthless at that point. As soon as it's perceived to be biased in some way, uh, people won't use it. And the only thing we want people to do is use it and maybe engage with the electoral process more so than they would if it didn't exist. So it's a tool in a whole arsenal of other tools, including your podcast. So when you are when you're searching for um, the the candidates and and what's in their manifestos, when you're um, I don't know, for instance, typing in the issue that you want uh, to to read about or you want uh, candidates' manifestos to touch on, how how does it sort of filter out the ones who are pro or or against certain issues? Okay. Um... So the filtering part is probably the most controversial part. So it's quite important to mention it right now, I think. Um, So the way that it works, we have a a sort of master list of um, key issues. So um, they're not custom, and some people may find that they're too general or maybe uh, not as granular as you you might like. So it might not have all of the flavours of the potential three school model, for example, or, or... roast beef and that <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it has um, it has general issues that um, we have seen through reading all of the manifestos um, of all of the candidates, and we we pulled out a whole list of like two hundred and fifty ish, two hundred and twenty, two hundred and fifty. Um, and that was too many for a user to use, so we we had to maybe generalize some of them or take away some of the ones that uh, appear to be more minor. 
And that was just purely because time scale, giving up a, a questionnaire to all of the candidates with 250 questions on it is just not realistic. So anyway, uh, the way that the way that it sort of works is that users will go through um, a list of all of those issues and they can specify whether they're for it, whether they're against it, or whether they don't really care about it or it wouldn't um, affect who they vote for. And then they can prioritize those issues. So they can say, um, being against paid parking is really important to me, but being for legalization of cannabis is it's important, but it's not as important. So, you know, you prioritize the issues that matter the most. And then the system returns a list of all of the candidates. None are filtered out, but it simply orders them based on how well they appear to align with the user. So it's not, it doesn't tell you who to vote for. It just gives you the full list and says a vote breakdown saying, it appears that you um, a for cannabis, and it's really important to you. But this candidate didn't align with that, or they did. And if they did a questionnaire, then it will show them the notes that the candidate put in that questionnaire box. So um, it's it's basically just taking a bunch of information and giving it to users in a way that's more user friendly than sifting through a, a book and trying to work out who is for certain things and who are against certain things and then trying to order them. It's like, that's one part of the process. Obviously, it's not the, the whole part of the process, but that's the part that we're trying to make a little bit easier. And um, you're talking to me today because you're going live very shortly. And I know this has been, uh, as we, I think we can all hear a labor of love, um, but also <laughs> it's been quite a challenge as well to get to this point. Um, so, when is it launching and how does it feel to finally be getting it out there? Oh, um, the answer to the second question is terrifying. Um, both uh, me and Martin and the guys that have uh, volunteered to help on the project. So there's a couple of guys from work, Mikey and Tom, who have stepped in and they've been really helpful. And also my girlfriend, Carmen, has done quite a bit of data input for us and generally just fed me and supported me during all of this um so we're all feeling it now and um it's disheartening i think if you've spent that much time on a project for it to not be a success and that's that's the fear obviously is that people don't see the intention that i have on it or that it it could be that we go live and there's just mountains of bugs and everyone hates it but hopefully that's not the case that's one of the reasons why we're um uh, pushing back the um, date of go live just so that we can make sure that everything is working smoothly. But this is the first time I've released a, a side project to the wild and it's pretty scary actually. So in answer to the first question, going live is ideally tonight or tomorrow. So we're really hoping to be able to do it for Friday, but there's a lot of data to go through and we both have full-time jobs alongside this so it's it's a challenge and also we're hoping to get as much information from candidates as we can um, before we go live and um, some of that includes feedback and we just want to make sure that they're they're happy with the site before we launch it 
Matt Pyle, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for joining the Guernsey Daily. It's been a pleasure and an honour to fight by your side. Thanks for listening. Episode 3 and 4 of our audio manifestos are available for you to listen to. You can find it in the same place you found this episode of the Guernsey Daily. And remember, the full list of candidates is available on election2020.gg. To get in touch with the show, find us on Twitter at Guernsey Daily or email theguernseydaily at gmail.com. You can also hear us on Guernsey Community Radio, who we're proud to be partnered with. Until next time, goodbye. Bye for now. Bye.